Michael Russell Park, behind the 44 Gates Avenue, I'm 750 Gates Avenue. Eight, uh, Pete and Julie from Rush the Bus, and we're with Richie Friedel. Right, is that right, Rich? That's All right. right. And uh, he's a paramedic in the city of Pittsburgh. And he's also, uh, he's actually Adam's partner. So we coerced him into coming on. Because so, mm-hmm. he isn't from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, what's up, Luke? How you doing? How you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> I'm doing well. Good to see you guys. I'm doing well. I'm stoked to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you. Yeah. So, Rich, you're not from Pittsburgh. How did you get to Pittsburgh EMS? Wait, story. wait, wait, wait. Let's back up real quick. Okay. Oh my Let's God. ask him about, so where are you from originally, since you're not from Pittsburgh? So originally I'm from, um, I'm from Southern California. So just north of uh, LA, like a small beach town called Ventura. So I grew up there, then moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area with a girl when I was like 17. Mm. And lived there until I was about, we just moved, you know, here in January of what, 2019, 2019. So yeah, so I've been bouncing around a little bit, but I was in the Bay Area for a long time, almost 20 years. Oh, wow. And this isn't your first, you haven't been in EMS for a long time, right? No, no. So like EMS is like my, almost like my fourth, third or fourth career, really. Um, I'm 40 years old. And then I made the decision to like become an EMT when I was like, 35 or so um okay so i was doing all kinds of stuff man i was like i bartended for six years in san francisco i worked for a couple tech companies i worked for apple at an apple store for like five years and i was like always looking for this you know i'd always hear people say you just find something that you do and you'll never work a day in your life (laughs) i'm like when am i gonna find this thing talk about right doing all this stupid crap, like doing tech support over the phone. And so I worked for a tech company my last um, couple of years before doing this and was making tons of money. And it was just like, wasn't fulfilling. What I was doing was not like what I wanted to do. I was like 36, you know, I was answering just horrible, you know, just customer service emails. I'm like, what's my legacy going to be, you know? when I get old and, you know, talking to my grandkids about like what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I answered the emails the quickest. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's basically what happened. Like, so I talked to a friend of mine, um, one day who was a firefighter down in, um, at that time he worked for Cal fire, which is like California. Okay. And, uh, I asked him, I'm like, Hey man, I'm 30, 36. Am I too old to, you know, become a, at that time I wanted to be a firefighter and uh, I'm like, am I too old to do this? He's like, hell no, man, you're not too old to, mm. like, to make the switch. So went went home to my wife and talked to her. I was like, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, going from my current salary or whatever it was, like over a hundred thousand dollars working for a tech company to, you know, working as an EMT on a BLS, you know, mm-hmm transport truck for $13 an hour. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? And, you know, I gave credit to my wife because she knew I just like wasn't happy with what I was doing. So I uh, went to EMT school and then kind of the rest is, you know, it's history. I worked for um, a BLS transport company in Alameda County 
called uh, Royal Ambulance. That's an awesome, an awesome um, ambulance company. It's a private that just does like um, BLS, um, non-emergency transports and critical care transports and worked there for six months and then uh, got hired at AMR, started for, worked for AMR for two years uh, in San Mateo County uh, in the Bay Area. So just south of San Francisco, just San Mateo County. So I worked there as an EMT, 911 EMT, but, um, and then went to paramedic school at um, the City College of San Francisco. So pretty stoked on my school, really good, really good program. Um, awesome leadership and like faculty been there for a long time. So it's a really good school. I'm stoked to get in there. Yeah. Um, you know, so got my medic and then we promptly, we were gonna move somewhere else because obviously it's really expensive and in the bay area and and with what i was doing i wasn't making a ton of money and i just wanted to be able to save money and buy a house so yeah you know i really wanted to work for a third service that was my big thing it was like i worked for a private for a long time and i just personally i couldn't see myself working for a private as a career like finally i found like what i wanted to do but i had yeah. to find, like where i wanted to do it so like I'm like I, I couldn't picture myself working working for you know a private company for the rest of my career. So but I really wanted to work for a city, a county, you know, whatever. Uh, so I started we started my wife and I started um, doing research and going around to different places in the in the US for a little bit less like about a year. We visited like Wake County in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Right along with Wake County EMS. Um, great third service and then uh, we went to new orleans obviously and found out there's large flying bugs in new orleans <laughs> <laughs> my wife is like definitely afraid of them so stepped out of the hotel she's like this is out um but we love new orleans and randomly my wife was um went on a business trip to cleveland and yeah. uh, she came back and she was like hey we should maybe give some thought to these cities that are like that are like kind of outside of the norm, like um, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. So I just looked at a map and I was like, what's around there? And I looked at Pittsburgh and I was like, hey, I'm gonna do some research and see um, if, um, you know, what kind of EMS like Pittsburgh has. Is it private? Yeah. Is it, you know, what is it? Is it, is it fire-based? What is it? So I started doing research and, and I was just blown away that uh, about like how I never knew about what you know Pittsburgh EMS you know is before just because it's so specialized in the spectrum of the different kinds of EMS that we have in this country right we have mm -hmm. fire base we have privates we have you know um, third service and then you know there's very few um, you know EM there's very few EMS that that do kind of what what we do and so a uh, lot you know, a couple of years ago while we were doing that we came to um pittsburgh during the summer for like four days we visited just to check it out and we were blown away by like how gorgeous it was we you think of pittsburgh when you're not from pittsburgh and you think like steel mills and you know sulfur you know like yeah into the air and it's like it's been has been like that for a long time yeah it's a gorgeous city it's it's like San Francisco. It's really photogenic. Okay. It's blue collar. It's like people are really nice. 
and people are really hardworking here, but like if you get on their bad side, you know what I mean? You don't want to fuck with them. Like, <laughs> like, like Boston and it's like, yeah. New York. you know, like you, you, you don't screw with Boston. You just know, like, you don't screw about, you don't screw with New York. Yeah. And, and I found that like that same thing here where you kind of don't screw with Pittsburghers, but they're the nicest, most open kind of welcoming people. Yeah. But they're very serious about certain things. Um, like sports, sports is a big thing here. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> so that's really big. And then they're big about, you know, um, supporting their first responders. Um, and I really like that. I mean, I like being a part of the, the agency that I work for, the bureau that I work for, um, because we've been around for so long um, and we're just super integrated into the city. It's like, we're part of the Department of Public Safety. It's the fire, it's Bureau of Fire, Police, and EMS. It's like, that's how it's always been. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I got here in a little nutshell. Which cool. is actually a pretty cool adventure, yeah. but it ended up working out really nicely, you know, like to yeah. kind of find this sort of place to go that actually really end up liking. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was the whole idea was like man i really love doing this is this is my career where am i gonna do this you know yeah. so you gotta find where you want to yeah. do it i'm just really thankful that my wife you know like was there to back me not only with my career change but like when we both knew we wanted to move but kind of me finding it worked out for both of us because yeah. she found a place to work here we bought a house we're saving money you know i work for an agent's for a bureau that like we make a good amount of money versus yeah. you know we're on the other side of the spectrum when you talk about typical ems in this in this country you know like we have a very good a good union a good contract um and a lot of benefits that you know like are awesome so yeah what was it like when you so how did how did emt class work in in California how did you apply for that yeah so basically in California at that time you know I was working for a startup right so I'm like working at my desk at this startup yeah in space and I'm like on this other tab <laughs> stuff, and I'm like I gotta do this as fast as possible yeah because <laughs> I need my life to change I need my career to change I'm gonna be a EMT tomorrow right yeah but there was a school that um actually did it in like 21 days so i, I yeah there's actually ones that do it in le in less time in california but oh my gosh typically like it's a community college thing like you okay. can go to community college or you can go to like a private company that does you know that does emt instruction so okay. i did one with a private company i paid more but i got it done faster okay you know it was fine. You know, I think I had a good experience, but I, you typically apply the same way. It's, it ranges from like six months to, you know, there's a school called Unitech in California that does it, I want to say in like eight days or nine what? days. What? Yeah. I know. I don't know, man. I know. <laughs> How could you come out after eight days? No, and it, you know, and it's, you, you remember how ENT school was, man. Like. I remember it being, I just remember being like 
kind of being afraid to get outside of the out of my comfort zone outside of the box right yeah so when i have like these emt like emt students that come on the ambulance and do a ride along whatever work whenever it is is that's one thing i try to impart like on them when they're brand new emts and have never you know is is just touching people like being able to like yeah. touch patients and be able to get like good manual blood pressure and just this the just the basics and not yeah. and not fake it you know because there were some times where you know like i was in emt school you throw the you know you throw the cuff on and then you, you can't hear it and you're like uh-huh. it's 122 over to my students i'm like i'm like just don't feel we don't feel bad if you can't hear it if you can't hear it yeah let, let me know yeah. mm-hmm. you know because so I like when you get the odd number, blood yeah. pressure from a new person. Uh, 123 over 75. Okay. What's the best is the one like super, super like salty old medic that we all work with that like when he sees that or gets it from a report from somebody, he's like freaks out about the odd number, you know? And he's like, yeah. 137? Like, uh-huh. 137 in a blood pressure. Do you know what's funny that even I still, even if I get one on, like if I take it manually, I, I mean, I take it manually because I like to do it, but if I get one on the monitor and I upload it into my tablet and it says like 127 over 73, I like correct it because <laughs> even though it's like, that's what the monitor said, I'm like, mm, no, that's not right. I change it. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. Ah. <laughs> Did you have to do ride-alongs when you were in EMT class in California? Yeah, I mean, it's real, like, it's super cursory. Um, it's, um, I want to say 16 hours, so like two eight-hour shifts. Okay. Who'd you ride with? You remember? Yeah, we rode, I rode with, so again, going back to, like, being kind of, like, scared a little bit. Yeah. We had a choice of riding with an ALS, like, the ALS 911 provider in Alameda County, which is Oakland. Okay. Very, 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 very busy system. Like, okay. Super busy um a lot of sick people a lot of a lot of stuff so we had the choice of either riding with the als company or bls like transport company transporting yeah. things like that and i was like just super nervous and i was like oh you know take the bls transport company now thinking about it you know years down the road i'm like i really wish i would have you know spent some time on an annual on ambulance yeah being on a bls truck so and it you know it's not a 911 truck you're just you know, waiting for that, you know, dialysis call or whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but I do have a funny story. Go. <laughs> so, you know, when you're like, you have like a student <laughs> in the truck and you're like trying to be like, you know, you're showing off a little bit, not too much. <laughs> you off a little bit, right? So, yeah. I'm uh, with this BLS company um, and we're going down International Boulevard in Oakland where there's a lot of prostitutes on that on that block. And so we're, we're at a red light and I'm in the backseat with my head like, you know, poked up through the, yeah. to be part of the coolness. Yeah. And I guess <laughs> walking down the left side of the ambulance is a, is a prostitute. We're at a stoplight and she starts to uh, cross the street in the crosswalk. And the driver who was, you know, one of my preceptors or, you know, one of the guys I was with, basically thought it would be cool to like honk their air horn you know, oh no at just out but you know projected yeah 
so basically what happened was like it scared her obviously and she was on big old you know big platform oh. thing. <laughs> fell like flat on her face oh no and he's like first on so we're first on scene to someone like she fell and like screwed up her ankle like a so basically hook her down <laughs> and i'm gonna need a 911 and he has to call 911 you know he, oh you can't oh even pick God. it up and at that time it wasn't like they weren't connected they weren't on the same system so yeah they, so they had to call 911 it's like oh, you know we're at the corner of blah blah blah, and blah. so yikes i was honking out a prostitute and uh wow. she fell. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's what happens when you try to show off. Try to show off. Was she pissed? Uh, she was. She was pretty pissed. Yeah, and it's it's an area that you don't want to mess with those girls too. Like they're not, you know, people to be messed with. Right? Yeah. And I was just I was so petrified of what was happening around me. Yeah. And they they were kind of too. It wasn't like they were knew basically what to do. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. So how long so after so then you finished school you stayed working at the startup or or where'd you go you said you went to royal so i started um so i got done in june got my emt and then i actually waited for until january of the next year to actually start looking for an ems job okay um, so i stayed working for that startup and then i quit that one and then started consulting for another startup and then okay. Um, and then at that time, I had just got married. So I got married that same year. And then we went to Italy because mm. my wife, my wife's Italian. So I went and met my in-laws in Italy after okay. six months. And that was interesting. <laughs> but it was cool. Um, then that January, we, I decided, you know, to get a job. So I, I applied at this BLS ambulance company. Um, and, you know, it was, it was just a good fit. They were very, um, they, were, they knew that, you know, especially being a, a brand new EMT, it's a very like fluid situation. It's a stepping stone to the next, you know, yeah. next or you're going to be a firefighter, going to be an NP or whatever you're going to do, yep. you know, whatever it is. But they're super cognizant about that, about like being there for their people, knowing that they're just kind of this middle, you know, they're, they're only going to have them for a little bit and they're going to let them down the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were just really great and they still are. So um, it was a great little company I worked for for eight months and then went over to the big bad 911 world because, you know, every call before I started 911, I thought, you know, like every call is like, what I got? Yeah. <laughs> sirens <laughs> running down the street in the wrong, on the wrong lanes. Like, and then I you know, got into it and realized that. You know, ninety percent of it's BS, and the other ten percent. Then there's the five percent where you're just like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Ball, like calls that you'll never, you'll you'll never forget. But at the same time, you know, you're. It's awesome when you are done with them, no matter the outcome, to like look around at who you're with, and you're like, "Man, remember that that one day we ran that one call with that one guy or one guy or girl?" You know, it's. It's awesome to have that camaraderie with another person, even though, you know, like you, they might not be your regular partner. Yeah. But even with your regular partner, you know, but that's why I love EMS is because you have that camaraderie with other people that not many other 
you know, professions. Mine's like police and nurses and things like that. I can mm. really understand. Yeah, because it's only two people. You know what I mean? It's only you and your partner. Seriously, it's like, and it's a, it, I never really understood that relationship, you know, because watched a lot of cop shows and things and, you know, yeah. and, you know, that is a powerful relationship between partners, you know, but I never experienced it until you get into, into EMS and BLS and then you're working you know, on a 911 ambulance and now working with another paramedic, which is great for me as a new medic because I just got my medic in November of, of what, not last year, the year before. So, so I've only been a medic for a little over, a little over a year, like maybe like a year and a half or so. Yeah. so good to have, we're in all ALS, all ALS, we're all, all paramedics on the ALS ambulance or medic units in Pittsburgh. So it's always great to have another paramedic with me at all times, especially as a medic, because yeah. you know, being able to bounce things off, yeah. off another, off your partner or, or when you're kind of at one of those points where you, it could go either way. Yeah. And that other voice being able to like direct you help out a little bit is yep. indispensable for me. You know? yeah. yeah. I still feel like that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm lucky to have Pete as my partner because I think he's like a really great medic. But um, I was also, I think, lucky to have him when I came back from childcare leave because I felt almost like a brand new medic again because I've been out for so long. Yeah. And it was like getting my skills back and getting the way I looked at things back. It was like really nice to have someone who knew what the heck was going on um, because I did work like when I had a young son, I worked at a private ambulance company and it was like me as the medic and a BLS partner. And we'd have some pretty critically ill patients that we were transporting between hospitals for like post arrest. And man, that was super nerve wracking. Like I felt so freaked out all the time because I was just like, yikes, this person like is really, really ill. You know, they were just in cardiac arrest 30 minutes ago. And, you know, I'm like, how do you work this IV pump? I don't, I don't know, you know? And my partner's like, yeah, I'm, I'm BLS. I don't know, you know? Yeah. And you're, you're, you're in the back. Yeah. yeah. So it was scary. When I moved here to Pittsburgh to Pennsylvania, like I got a job while I was in the um, hiring process with Pittsburgh um, EMS. Um, I got another job, my very first medic job, because I just got my license um, with a private service in Allegheny County and uh, covers a lot of areas with different, like poor areas, rich areas, like gun, like knife and gun club areas. And then areas where, you know, you don't, you know, you don't, you're not turning sirens on the neighborhoods at certain times and things like that. And um, the, that was my first medic job. And I was, I had a BLS partner. Mm. And, I can remember just being like, I was all about like, what's your FTO process and like, how are, we, how are you going to, where's the mentorship? And like, <laughs> nope. And, you was, you know, and they're like, no, you're an ALS provider and um, <laughs> get on that ambulance over there. And then there was one night where probably like two weeks in or three weeks in where, you know, somehow it happened where I was the only ALS provider for like three of our districts. And I asked, I'm like, so like random question, like how many people is that? They're like, like 600,000 maybe. Oh my gosh. 
just like uh like just the amount of area and it wasn't that much but it was like a lot of people it was like a hundred thousand people and i yeah. remember thinking in my head like as someone who was just brand new being like i hadn't had an arrest like by myself yet like i hadn't had really any like crazy pediatric calls and my backup was like 15 minutes away and so yeah totally i know what you mean where you're just at the beginning where where or how I am sometimes still, <laughs> where, you know, anything can happen and, you know, you just, you know, but I don't know, I kind of almost wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> like, those, those situations are crazy. I'm just, I'm glad I now have, um, like, awesome support around me all the time. Like, no matter what happens, if I'm on scene somewhere and something goes down and it's crazy, like, I can call in the cavalry. And I will literally have an engine company, one or two rescue trucks, like a doctor, two doctors. Like I can have a lot of different people there like pretty quick. So I never feel like now I'm never not like not supported, you know. Mm. Really that is a nice, that's yeah. like a nice feeling to have, you know. Yeah. And I think that's good for also the people that you serve, you know, like it's, it makes it feel like, I don't know, you've got like a good team assembled, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's. It is, it's nice because no matter how much people will bitch about like, oh, you know, I have to get up in the middle of the night and run back, like come do medical backup for you guys. Everybody always has a great like attitude when they get on scene. It's like, you know, what can I do? Like there's just, because all of a sudden you have like six paramedics. Like yeah. just yeah. around, you know, like someone's driving, there's three, you know, it's just awesome to watch, you know, especially being someone who's new like me watching people who've done it for a long time and we have people i have one partner that has been a parent that's been a medic at pittsburgh ems for like over 35 years wow so yeah. it's just cool to watch those guys kind of work too and watch the the orchestra go yeah you remember your uh, your first medical in pennsylvania um yeah i remember my first my first medic call in Pennsylvania was, um, it was a, it was a pediatric call and it ended up being like, it was early in the morning. It was like seven, seven thirty in the morning. And I'm with, thank goodness. I was with an, an EMT partner who was in medic school, who was a very good, solid EMT yeah. who had my back. And that was one really great thing about that company is that everybody I worked with, was so, I had a solid DLS partner. Yeah. Who knew the operations and so it was a pediatric like came out as like altered level of consciousness. We get mm. it. It's like a basically like a screaming mother, you know, running down the stairs like basically handling their child. Yeah. He's not like he's not limp. There's not like a loss of muscle tone. He's just like maybe looking, you know, that thousand yard stare where they're looking kind of through you yeah kind of like looking at me but the overwhelming thing that's i'm seeing the mother in, in my face you know and my partners you know we we get him in the back and you know i'm in my mind my mind's running like a thousand miles a minute because she's screaming at me and i you know that's when it's nice being at that you know 38 39 years old and the life experience comes in from you know like the previous careers you know yeah. they go to waste you know so 
whether it's dealing with somebody on the phone or, or a difficult customer or whatever, it's almost like the same kind of like mindset where I just had to like slow down and like the kid's not dying. He's breathing. Yep. He's got an airway. He's breathing and like, he's not bleeding to death. So right now he's okay. I'm going to like, look at you mom and just kind of try to reassure you a little bit and then deal with the kid. And it ended up being like, he wasn't, there was nothing really like going on with him except he was like tired and you know he had had some you know had sh- had some shots and it might have been a reaction to the shots but yeah it ended up being like starting kind of like hectic and crazy but yeah kind of yeah. a lot of people feed into that you know what i mean yeah for you sure. can get sucked into the, the whole chaos you know like a mom yelling or just the scene yelling then you start yelling yeah, yeah. And then it just goes south from there And I think that like for me when I was younger, that was um, a lot harder to kind of like put on the back burner. I mean, I think I'm, you know, I'm 40 also and like I am a mom and I've, you know, been in the workforce for a long time. So it's like there's a lot of elements that kind of make me sort of stop what I'm doing and like calm down a little bit. But I do remember being younger. I remember being younger one time on a call that came in as a pediatric cardiac arrest and I was with um an older, I mean, I'm using the term older, but like she was like a much more experienced paramedic. Um, she was probably like a few years older than me, like now, but she was a great paramedic. She's retired. And, um, we were going up, it was like on a second or third story walk up. And the whole time we're going upstairs, I can hear the mom screaming. And I'm like, I remember my heart was like pounding. So I was just like, Oh God, like this is going to be a dead kid. And like, I was really upset. And then when we get there, the mom opens the door and the kid is crying in her arms. And like my partner at the time was just like, okay, what's happening? And she was like, yeah, she won't stop crying. And she was like, all right, let's go. And like, she was so calm and just kind of like turned around because she, she had been a mom. I think at that point she had like three kids and like, she was just, she like shut that down immediately. Like, all right, why are you doing, like, why are you acting like this? Like to the mom. And then we just like took the kid down to the truck and like brought them to the hospital and everything was fine. And it was like all of those nerves and anxiety just kind of like, oh, like this wasn't anything. It was just like a case of the brand new moms, you know, where like the mom was afraid because the kid was crying and like couldn't stop the kid from crying and the baby was like three weeks old. But, um, you know, like when you get on that scene, you're like totally terrified and sometimes having like you know, a mentor who's been around the block a few times, who's got some experience, who's got some age, who's maybe got, you know, the parenting thing. Like it makes a big difference because yeah, I was younger and I was like gonna puke. I was so nervous, you know? It's it's crazy how many things are going on at one time, like in, you know, in our world. Like I was thinking about it a couple of days ago, like driving Adam, I think it was Adam in the back, to the hospital. Not like emergency or anything, but talking on the radio, like clearing, clearing intersections, like seeing mm-hmm. other traffic. Like it's, it's crazy how many things like we have going on at one time, just being in the front, you know, or in the back. You yeah. Know, but it's cool to watch people that, like you were saying, like mentors or that have been doing it for a long time and how they, and how they work. You know? Yeah. You remember any preceptors from when you were in medic class? Like where'd you ride in medic class? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How much ride time? Because I had to do a month because I went to Jeff in Philly. Yeah. So I had to do, it was like a full month. I was on medic three. So and, like, it's crazy, like how it works and it's different in different states. So in California, you, um, 
basically you have didactic time in this in a class and then you have clinical time <clears throat> where you you go to the hospital and it's, yeah. you have different kinds of shifts so like ob psych um you know trauma all the shifts yeah so um i got was really fortunate enough to be uh, in the city of san francisco which is a crazy town there's a lot going on in sf like um <clears throat> there's a lot of mental illness there's a lot of um like like drugs but there's and then there's this high-end you know tech scene right? yeah. so i did all my um clinical time at san francisco general hospital which is um, a public hospital so you know they take everybody it's okay. you know, it's a crazy crazy scene but i learned a ton there and and you know worked with or learned from some amazing nurses and and ran some crazy calls and yeah. or, it was a, a great place because they kind of just knew you were a medic student and they just threw you in. They were like, there's no time to be scared. Yeah. Just go. Like, you got to go. And so it kind of got me into that mentality where it's like in this community or in this career, like you got to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. Yeah. You're just going to be, you're going to be out of it. And that's how it yeah. works. So I learned that there. And then, um, so after that you have, um, truck timer your internship in california so it's a minimum of 480 hours hmm. and most people are always are going to be with the same um preceptors so i had an amazing preceptor um uh now he's like one of my best friends uh he we you could say his name if you want <laughs> it's okay um so i did uh, i did my truck time or my right along time with my internship with the San Francisco Fire Department. That's pretty cool. All right. Awesome, because nobody else gets to do it except um, City College of San Francisco. Okay. Um, paramedics. So I got to ride on the red box like through down through San Francisco for, for me it was like 520 hours. So it was about a little over four months. So okay. I did. Um, how it works is you just work their schedule. So my preceptor had his schedule, and I worked his schedule. Like so. We, we worked from like 0.45 or 0.445 in the morning to like 4.45 p.m. And, and you know, work 12-hour shifts and three on, three off. And, um, but I think like, so my preceptor, his name is uh, Drew, Andrew Barnikoff, and he has been a paramedic for a long time. And he was a flight medic for a long time. He started when he was like 18. He was one of those guys that was like yeah. – you know the volunteer at 18 and then mm -hmm. you know critical care paramedic and then um worked in alameda county in oakland which it's like the wild west it's a, it's a very it's a crazy place to work as a paramedic um is in oakland and in that county so he worked there for like 12 years and then um, started working for the san francisco fire department and um he had great partners um two great guys and one guy named Jason Freeland and another guy named Josh Rado um, that were like, it was just a great like team effort like that they, they were there for me like so much in every situation. There was never like, you know, you know, it is when you're on your truck time and you're running a call and something goes like haywire and you're going sideways and they're like trying to get you back on track. And, you know, there was never like yelling or embarrassing or any kind of like, anything like that it was everything was there was so many teachable like moments and so many things that i just learned so much in my internship like 
it set up such a great foundation for me and and made me to like lifelong three lifelong friends yeah so even now to this day like if something goes down at work and i have like a crazy call or and i talk to my partner about it but one of the first people i call or i text is my preceptor yeah and obviously it's i haven't been a paramedic that long but yeah. you know i text him and we talk we talk about you know whatever I was thinking or where my head was or where my assessment was or what I totally screw up or, yeah. you know. It's good though. I mean, that's the thing is like a lot of people in EMS, like I think that they're scared to ask questions of people, you know, cause they're going to get eaten alive, Yeah. you know? And I think like everybody needs that one person that you feel safe with, you yeah. know, that you can ask like the dumbest question. Like, did you see this MI? Like, no, I'm no cardio. I'm not a cardiologist by any means. Yeah. So, you know, you're totally right i mean people need you need someone that you can like confide in but at the same time like it's nice to have at least maybe like a small group of people that's more open that you can kind of like discuss things yeah things with and be able to ask stupid questions and not get like like get ripped too bad like yeah, yeah. Not yeah. Too bad. you know what i mean like so but yeah i mean it's awesome to have you know somebody like that but i remember my internship being you know really it's 20 25 12 hour shifts and at the beginning you know being just so scared yeah off my ass about like everything i remember my first call my internship this it was like a man down under a like like one of the newspaper carriers you know the big racks that have like you know like 20 so it's like somebody down yeah which is happens a lot in downtown in San Francisco yeah. and down halls, whatever we show up and, and as a, as a, um, intern, you have to wear what they call the turtle shell, which is like the BLS, like the ALS, like the first in bag, but it's a, it's one of those merit like backpacks. Okay. So we had to wear it out the back of the, the side of the ambulance. So yeah. I get out and I go up to the, you know, the patient who's down, you know, basically uh, unresponsive. I don't know yet, but I yeah. get, like kneel down and get like <laughs> and my, my preceptor grabs that backpack like yeah. strapped to me right yeah. the back of that backpack and rips me up so fast like he's like don't you ever get like don't after the fact he told yeah. me, like don't you ever get down there in somebody's face like yeah everybody in this city you have to in this mentality like when you're dealing with calls on the street like everybody's going to be armed like whether it's a like a screwdriver or like yeah. just something to protect themselves because you know like imagine living on the street and getting effed with constantly from other people trying to steal your stuff or trying to mess with you or you know that was a crazy thing it's like a lot of women too yeah these women that were on the street you know that would have multiple weapons on them because you know they're going to get sexually assaulted by yeah. whoever it is and you better believe you better make yourself known as you approach that person you know like you know my name's richie you know yeah i learned a lot on the streets of san francisco what what station were you at i mean so, i'm not really where's that so uh the way that it works in San Francisco is that SFFD is dynamically like deployed across the city. Okay. 
so they're not they're not in stations like with Pittsburgh EMS. We all have stations, and it's awesome because we have recliners and. We, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't want to hear about that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. They're posted like you guys are. Okay. For twelve hours, they're they're in the truck, but they deploy from one central station, and that's awesome. oh wow. Station forty nine, which is um, down at like Hunter's Point, um, okay. like down there, India Basin. So they're de deployed from one place. They're building a new one in the next couple of years, but um, so they run nine one one calls there, and then they are the number one, you know, provider. And then AMR, and then, and then there's a company that's been an ambulance company in San Francisco for like hundred and twenty years called King American. That runs calls in SF, and then so it's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of calls. It's really busy in San Francisco. So. Do they does the fire department get like a certain kind of call, you know, versus like the privates? It, you know, I'm like not 100% sure, but like there's always more fire department units on. Um, right. and there's only always a, like a couple King units and a couple AMR units on, but really, usually it's so busy in the system most of the time. Um, it, at least when I was on my internship there, that like basically you were just kind of getting it's being dispatched to the to the closest geographic unit. So that's basically as long as they're in the there's an ALS provider on the ambulance, like. But mm -hmm. then they would get fire department backup, okay. an engine company, and they would get, yeah, usually probably just an engine. Okay. Is there anything interesting that you remember from from San Francisco that you found? Completely weird to Pittsburgh. Um, Anything they did that you've carried? Well, I shouldn't say weird, but that you carried over. Well, I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of stuff that I brought. One kind of really weird thing that is definitely different here um, is the is dealing with fire departments here versus fire departments in, in you know in San Francisco. So in California, there's almost every department's a paid fire department. There's not many volunteer fire departments. Whereas in Pennsylvania, um, except for the, the city of Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh's a, um, a paid, the Bureau of Fire is paid. Um, but there's a lot of volunteer fire departments around here. And working here for the first time with volunteer firefighters on scene is a lot different than working with even, you know, firefighters with, you know, that are EMTs or have some kind of like EMR experience, but, but now uh, working for Pittsburgh EMS and working at Medic Two, where Adam and I work, we uh, one of the boroughs that we cover is actually not um, in the city of Pittsburgh. It's a borough. It's its own borough. It's called Mount Oliver, and it's um, right in the middle of our area. And we do EMS for Mount Oliver. So whenever we get a a call in Mount Oliver that's uh, like an E0 or an E1 call, um, actually E0 now, uh, we'll get a volunteer quick, like a quick response vehicle. And um, so, and those guys, you know, they, they hustle, you know, they, whatever you need them to do, like they're, they're going to do is just three guys in a truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just show up and they have equipment and they come in and they're just like, like, what do you need? And now they, they know, you know, just we run, so many different kind of calls there that oh it's you know it's an overdose you, they know they're going to be bagging even though they might not be <clears throat> like they know how to bag because we taught them how to bag because in this kind of situation when they get on scene like they know that's that's what they're going to do hmm. 
is interesting. One. Dealing different fire departments was one big thing that was a shock to me. Hmm. Yeah, because California's all, most of it's career, most of it. You know, they have some volunteers out there. Um, yeah, but it's mostly, it's super competitive from a firefighter. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to do initially. And then I started doing like fire stuff, like fire's hot, hose is <laughs> heavy. <laughs> Six years old or 37. And I was just like, and I really liked the medical part. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't so entranced with the big red truck and, and then I went to paramedic school and it was all she wrote. And now I have no, like, this is my job. Like, I love my job. Like, I love, uh, you know, I love being being able to call myself a Pittsburgh paramedic. It's awesome, you know? So, hmm. yeah, career. Yeah. All right. So you told us an interesting story. So you moved to Pittsburgh. How did you get there? Oh, dude. So, interesting story. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> so, we decided that because we have pets we have three uh three cats and a dog a little white dog and a baby at that time she was four <laughs> months old so we decided that <laughs> so this was not going to be an air anything in the air at all we're like we're gonna have to drive this um but we we're going to be moving also so we rented a 27 foot rv one of those like rent or those cruise america ones that you see mm -hmm. oh my gosh so I rented one of those and uh, and drove across country with the um, with the baby, the four month old, the pets, like all the pets and and all of our stuff. So, so that's how we got across the country. And your wife doesn't drive, right? Yeah, and my wife doesn't. Drive. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! My wife doesn't drive, and uh, you know it was it was kind of uh, nerve wracking though because it wasn't like I thought it was going to be like this leisurely cross country yeah. trip you know, let's take some time, let's see the sights, you know, let's take pictures and uh, having a kid in the car and it's not like made to be like a passenger car, like, you know, so having the kid and having the pets and it's just really kind of nerve wracking. You guys have much fun. Yeah, it wasn't mm -hmm. fun. I mean, <laughs> it was fun. The experience was fun, but yeah. we got done. We were so stoked to be done. And then we came through the Fort Pitt tunnel it going coming into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is unique because it has a um, really awesome kind of entrance into the city through one of the tunnels. So when you go through the Fort Pitt tunnel, when you start the tunnel, it's kind of long. You can't really tell what's at the end. Yeah. Going up this kind of incline, so you can see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Then as you get closer to the end of the tunnel, you can't really tell what's past it. And then when you hit it, it's just this huge like cityscape like the whole skyline of pittsburgh oh wow gorgeous like so after five days this <laughs> country to come through the fort pit tunnel it was a very like big like emotional moment for my wife and i because here's us packing our entire family into a 27 foot friggin cruise america rv driving across country and we finally made it to like where we were gonna like build our lives you know and so that's January 17th. That's called Pittsburgh Day in our family. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. That's nice. So you moved there. So what's a little bit about Pittsburgh? Because you had to move there first, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we moved here first. And 
and um, you know we we just really liked everything about it. You know, for us, what was real crazy was was how cheap things were coming from the Bay Area. I mean, you guys are in New York City. I mean, we have it like a it's a unique experience when you live in like an urban area like New York City or like the Bay Area where everything's really expensive. You know, and then you go somewhere where or you're looking at houses or things in a you know whatever city in the Midwest. Yeah. You're like, you can get a seven bedroom mansion. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. So that was a huge thing when we moved here is, is, you know, like things were really cheap and, and uh, that was like kind of our first like sticker shock thing, but trying to set up like your life right after moving cross country is crazy. Like they ended up being like a big snowstorm that weekend. So it shut down all like everything, <laughs> every, so every winter, from what I hear from the Pittsburgh lore, from everybody I work with. Every year, there's there's always one time where the meteorologist on TV would be like, this is going to be the craziest storm of the winter. And then everybody goes out and buys beer and kielbasa and like, uh-huh. like buy all their like things and then they go home. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was that weekend where it was like, it was supposed to be the, the craziest winter of the summer or of the winter. Yeah. Uh, craziest storm of the winter. So we'd gone to Ikea and bought all of our furniture and they were like, yeah, we'll deliver it the next day. And oh no! Didn't show up the next day, and because of the storm and all, so we didn't have furniture for four days. Oh. So it was a it was a crazy situation, but but Pittsburgh, we we rented a, rented an apartment and tried to move everything in the first like two weeks, and but we didn't really have that much, and um, kind of walked around, but it was so you know like cold. For yeah. us, California boy. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's kind of how it was at the beginning. Have you worked a snowstorm yet? So, no. Oh, don't. Well, because of this, this uh, summer was really mild. I don't yeah. know for you guys, but no, it was, it was it wasn't bad. In Pittsburgh, it was super mild because yeah. everybody's like at the end of the you know end of the winter. It was like we really didn't have one time where it dumped. I think I I shoveled the front sidewalk like three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? yep. like, so I remember though this year my first call when it was actually snowing because I actually stopped and looked at my partner and I was like, hey, Kenny, there's a chest pain call from those anxiety chest pain calls. Yep. And he comes out. I think he just wanted to get out of work. Yeah. He's got his eye like over here. He's like, where's your ambulance? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I remember looking at my partner and saying, and saying, uh, it's snowing. This is the first call I've ever worked where it was snowing. <laughs> and this uh-huh. is my partner's like a, a PA, like, you know, no, like, you know, is it like a PA, like native, you know, and he's like, look at this guy over here. Like, oh, patient laughter. Yeah. You'll hate it. Don't worry. Hey, you know, you'd be amazed how much we, this, the crazy calls that you're like, why did you call for this? And why do you have your 1976 rear wheel drive Pontiac? out in the snow <laughs> it's just it's amazing That's i don't it. know maybe uh there may not be as much snow anymore it's not like it was you know when we were kids so i don't know that's right that's right here i mean i don't know it's going in that direction it's not like it. and the earth is healing itself since we all are in quarantine <laughs> mm-hmm. do you guys have a lot of do you guys have like a lot of um 
crazy steps and stuff up to like walk-ups in your guys's yeah i mean it depends on the neighborhood like there's a lot of public housing buildings that are luckily just kind of like you know if someone's shoveled like the housing authority is supposed to you can kind of walk up to the front of the building but there's like tons of you know these walk-up older buildings where um there's like you know six steps of a stoop and it's just iced over and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, trying to get up these stairs and like get all your equipment up there. And then if you have to carry the patient out, you're like, just remember those stairs, you know, on your way out. Yeah. But um, it's, I mean, this year was like nothing. I, I, I feel like it didn't even really snow at all. You know, I almost, I felt bad for my kid because I was just like, we had nothing going on. But I mean, for us, it was great. Like, I don't mind not working in the snow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of a bummer for the kids, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah. we have um, we have a lot of crazy steps, like, here, especially in, in our area that I work. So it's, like, a lot of older, we're talking, like, over 100-year-old houses that have, mm. like, busted up, like, concrete steps that go up to the house where you're, like, in your mind, you're, like, I need to make a mental note of that step because I will break my leg. Coming yeah, it. yeah especially if you have a patient on the stair chair. So then you get up to the, you know, get up the door and then it's another like wrappy round, you know. Yeah. I hate those turns. And, you know, those are, I, I love the look of it. I mean, I, I feel like that's one of the things that here we have a lot of those. I feel like Chicago's got like those kind of like style of home. And I think it looks beautiful and like, if that's where you live, that's really great. But when you when you are walking into someone's house or building and it comes in as like a chest pain or something that has the potential to require you to actually carry them out and you see those like spiral staircase, oh my God, yeah. it's just awful. Cause you know, like, ugh, like they get so narrow at that curve and like, we'll tell each other like, oh, watch that step. Like that's a weird one. Cause you'll get like, you know, five stairs up and then it's like a giant step to the sixth one or like really uh, no space between them. And you know, you're mentally just going along and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, like falling up the stairs, you know? Totally. So, I mean, that's I mean, an art too. <laughs> Air chair, like crazy art, so. Yeah, the architecture, I feel like after talking to you folks and I think you posted a picture of your porch I was like, oh, what does Pittsburgh look like? And I kind of looked up certain houses and I was like, oh, I like the way it looks in Pittsburgh, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how working there would be, how it's, I feel. You know, every place has its, its thing, you know? And it's like, it's crazy how we just, you know, adapt and overcome with whatever we can. You know, I was thinking about you guys when you guys posted that video um, about making a stair chair into a backpack. Oh, yeah. Right. And I was thinking about, like, if I had to walk a stair chair up five, five, like, flights of stairs in a walk up and thinking about having to hump, like, you know, our, like, drug bag monitor. Yeah, monitor, all that. Suction, like, everything before. Yeah. Like, we had a call, uh, like, a couple, like, two weeks ago. It ended up being a cardiac arrest, but we had to force entry in, into the house. And mm. that's what thing we can do is we can force entry like with pneumatic tools which is pretty dope <laughs> um broke the door down she ended up being un, you know unresponsive but it was like you know 
one of those calls where it was just like, you know, crazy, you know, crazy things happening, like all of a sudden and, and you're all by yourself. And I can't imagine being up five, five flights, not even, we're not even talking about PPE, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like getting on gowns and, you know, whatever the protocols are, but having to move all that equipment up that many flights of stairs for a critical call. So when you guys like get something like that, like an easier call or like somebody's not breathing at all or something, that's how it comes in. Like, what are you dispatched with? You're dispatched with you. Like you guys get a BLS unit or an engine or what do you guys get? Yeah. I mean, if we're getting a, like a cardiac arrest call always gets uh, ALS, BLS, um, an engine company and a boss. Um, so, you know, you're going to have a couple of people on the job with you. And I think we, for like an unconscious, it's us and an engine company, um, for a cardiac diff breather, it's us and an engine company. Like usually BLS is only dispatched with us to like a cardiac arrest call, but there's been times, I mean, we had a job not that long ago where it came in as an unconscious in a nursing home and it's like a nursing home we're pretty familiar with. Yeah. And I went over the air before we got there and just said, like, hey, you want to send a BLS with us? Because it's probably an arrest. And the dispatcher said negative. <laughs> like, go check it out. And as soon as we got in, I was like, now can you send us the BLS for the arrest? And the firefighters and the boss, because it's an arrest. You but, know, um, the news, like the BLS will say, oh, it says chest pain in the text. And then they'll add ALS to it. So it's kind of annoying. You know, yeah. you get that. So. It depends on the dispatcher because yeah, there's definitely BLS that get a call that comes in as a sick job. And then if they read through the text, they'll say, oh, person complaining of cough and chest pain. And then they'll ask the dispatcher, oh, send us ALS because you know we, we have a chest pain. And depending on the dispatcher, they'll say, why don't you check it out and then you know get back to us. And then sometimes dispatchers are like, yeah, go back up BLS. And we're like, it says it's a fever and a cough, but okay. Um, but yeah, like those, those jobs where we get like a diff breather and the apartment number, like what did we have recently? It was like number 20. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, I guarantee you this is a, a walk up. Yeah, sometimes like two will be on the second floor and then three is the third, but they numbered them like. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of our older buildings, like in certain neighborhoods like Williamsburg, if you, or in Crown Heights, if you get an apartment that says, like uh, E3, you know that's gonna be like A, B, C, D, E is the fifth floor, that's a walk up. Like I am in J4, my, I'm on the fourth floor of my building, it's a walk up. Um, and buildings that just have numbers, like oh, you're going to apartment number 12, it's probably on the third floor. Um, but if it's apartment number 20, like this was, I was like, oh man, it's going to be on the fifth floor of a walk-up. And Peter's like, maybe not. And I'm like, yes, it will be. And then as soon as we got there, I was like, I think this might even be on the sixth floor. And by the time we got all the way upstairs, I was like, what well, is this, yeah. the fifth, the fifth, the sixth? The girl was like, no, it's the fifth. I was like, well, it feels much worse than that. You know, like <laughs> with all that equipment, I was like, I, I don't know what floor we're on, but it mm -hmm. took a long time to get up here, you know? Yeah. And it's even worse in the Bronx. So, because I came out as BOS in the Bronx and then I went to go back to get mop. And the, um, the, you know, do you want to go back to the Bronx? I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. Cause everything was a walk up, man. I was like, yo, hump all that stuff back upstairs. That's crazy. I'm good, bro. That's just crazy to me. Like I have a, you know, like we have a, a lot of equipment and I can't imagine, like I have a partner, one partner who's, who's older and like, 
watching him he he's just watching him trying to like pump like half of that equipment up a you know upstairs you know we carry a lot of stuff and especially when we've been doing it for a long time so i try to watch his back and i'll yeah a bubbly bag on the monitor and give him like the oxygen i mean he's earned it you know he's been on the job for 30 freaking some odd years yeah a set of stairs i'll take the bag and the monitor and he can take the oxygen in the lead Mm -hmm. and you know what i mean so yeah it works Mm -hmm. so but usually funny thing like what you guys were saying about how you know asking is asking to attach ALS their call and, and a dispatcher has the, the discretion to shut that down and that's crazy here because the dispatchers if I you know whatever I kind of want I can ask for and I'll get it unless it's something mm. just like way off track and then one of our supervisors will like chime in and kind of ask you what is going on and yeah but most of the time I mean I don't think I've ever really been denied like something I needed so yeah I mean they I think for here in New York it depends on the call volume like when we're having a significantly high call volume um you might say like you know they'll give us a job totally out of our area where it's like you know we're going to be on the road for about 15 minutes driving this call so we'll say like hey do you guys have a BLS backup because we're extended and like sometimes they'll it's almost like they didn't think about it so they'll say uh yeah hang on and they'll send us bls and like if if everything works out wonderfully and that was like not a really a chest pain call it was just like you know a 19 year old who's having anxiety um the bls gets there and cancels us but like during the covid thing it was so weird to hear people asking for backup because even i was getting annoyed i was like there is no backup like stop asking for backup you know because people would be like oh we're highly extended to this and it's like yeah everyone is highly extended you know well, in, in those situations where you know everybody's extended everybody's like being stretched to the limit yeah it is gets annoying when you hear i would be the same way yeah we also we get annoyed when we hear people they'll say uh yeah it's gonna take me like 25 minutes to get there and we're like yeah no no i yeah. know or like <laughs> sometimes we'll try to take a job like a another medic unit will get a job in our area because we just are not that close like we're it's our area but we're at a different hospital and we'll hear it and we'll say something like oh you know what that's our job like we could probably grab it so we'll say hey you know whatever we'll take our job we've got like a five minute eta knowing that the other unit probably is maybe closer maybe they have a five six minute eta and then they'll ask the other unit what's your eta and they'll be like uh 12 minutes i'm like come on like I get so annoyed. I'm like, I want to take the job for you. Just thank us and like, just yeah. let us take the job. Don't lie about how long it's going to take you to get there. You know. Totally. So are you guys deployed in like so your um, your area? There's multiple units deployed in that area. But does your specific ambulance have a geographical like area? Like yeah, all yeah. Units carry like cover that. We're supposed to sit within a certain. So we have a cross sheet location. So we sit within, we sit at um, Bushwick and Flushing Avenue. So we cover the area around that. I can't remember what the amount of geographical blocks you're supposed to cover. It used, so it's like, um, it's an atom is what it's called. A-T-O-M. So it's whatever the police car, like in that area covers. Um, And we all sit within an atom and you're supposed to be within three blocks of your cross street location to be considered like compliant with that. Um, 
And like, I mean, you can do any jobs in that area. It's not like you're just going to do jobs within that three block area. But even still, you can do jobs like well outside of that area, depending on who's on a call or if there's a unit run down. Um, but yeah, like for the most part at night, we just get our ambulance and we have to go to our area. So, you know, that's kind of, I mean, I'm assuming for you folks, you have a station, but are you supposed to stay at your station then all evening and kind of wait to get dispatched? So, so at night, so we have stations and then we have areas like they're called rams and it's basically like our geographical area but we're kind of responsible for that that area so um at night uh, we can go anywhere really but during the day it's kind of you should be in your area during the day just because there's so much traffic and getting around is a lot less um is, is a lot harder during the day. So at night, you can get from one end of the city knowing how to get there um, easily. But at the same time, I mean, you have to, you should be in your area. So if like something, come, something comes out, it's not, because when we take a call, we actually have to, we over the radio say where we are. And it's, oh. so it's crazy. It's um, how it works so we say it the police do too so when the police like take a call on their channel and it, it, it's funny because there's a lot of things around here that i've noticed being new that have been the same way for 60 70 years so a lot of the things that like probably we took as ems back in 75 were from the police hmm. the way that we like take a call and respond to it and the way that like radio etiquette wise was probably taken from the like the police in the mid 70s so so we have to say where we're coming from so if i'm like you know like yeah a medic she's responding from you know wherever and everybody on the radio knows that i'm like across town from where i'm supposed to be at 3 30 in the morning you know yeah usually as long as it's like okay and you know but yeah you should you should be in our area is actually pretty massive it's it's a pretty big area to cover um not like we have kind of urban parts of it and then there's more like there's suburban parts but it's it's a lot of area but the hmm. largest area in the city i might be mistaken by that but i think it's second but you can you'll essentially do jobs out of your area as well right if like medic one gets a job you could cover their area yeah for sure so like we 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 all have our like second in zones like into what we are second into like but medic two is not um second into a lot of different zones because we um we're always our it's called utilization hours like are very high we're we're used a lot just because we mm. four times and we have a larger area um so you know we don't necessarily go into people's areas as often as other units like that are downtown or centrally located you know like around other units that so they they know that if somebody's getting a call that they're next in and they're most likely going to be in that area okay in the next, okay. minutes but um but we are second into a couple different couple different areas but not we you guys try to steal stuff adam would admit it you guys like try to jump other people's hot jobs <laughs> oh we did so when's the last time you talked to him? We we did we jumped a call to yeah. a car wreck job where a, 
car ended up on on its roof and like that's one of those jobs where you show up a car's on the roof and nobody's there yeah and everybody's gone and there's just like like weed vape pens like <laughs> and the car's oh, on the roof. Yeah. where'd everybody go and this is on you know on the the, the busway the expressway yeah and uh, like oh you know some just random monster like pulled up picked him up and and mm. Mm. yeah we jumped a call and <clears throat> All right. Yeah, nothing good, though, I guess. Oh, that's the worst. Like, when you go steal somebody's job, and then it turns out that would be a shit show or nothing. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst. Yeah. No, when you do that. Yeah, we don't. We should jump more calls. That's mm-hmm. Gotta listen to the police, bro. About you gotta come hang out with us. We'll show you how to buff. Dude, um, I'd yeah. be so down, though. Like, when all this is over, when all this, and however it turns out, with COVID or whatever, like down the road, it'd be awesome to to come up and hang out with you guys. Yeah, we found out the other night that people follow us and stuff. They're like they're like looking to see where we are. Like when a job comes in, really, especially like a shooting or something. Yeah, everybody's like eats here on to see where we are, and then because like we're already driving that way, so they're like, yeah. other people are like oh, we're gonna try to get there before then. Well, that's that's one of the nice things that we have the ability to do. We have a computer um, in our ambulance that you can press a command which is ETR. Um, I forget what ETR stands for, but anyway, you can ETR some other unit and you can find out where they are. So people mostly do this when you're like, why are we doing a job in so-and-so's area? And then you ETR them to make sure they're like, and then you're like, oh, that's why, because they're not in their area, you know, and you get like all annoyed. Um, But we do it too when it's like, we hear, let's say BLS gets the the shot, you know, and we're like, ETR them, where are they? And like, we'll we'll be like, oh, they're not that far or they're not that close. We could yeah. definitely make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and we'll then start going towards it. You flip on the police channel and you listen to the cops. And then you have, we have Citizen. So Citizen yeah. is like... Um, SF, has, you know, SF has Citizen too. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. So if you get a hit, a hit on Citizen and then it comes over on like PD, then you know it's probably pretty good. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of nice because, um, yeah, like we will basically start heading that way quickly to kind of get that job. And then apparently we didn't realize, but like a few of the other units at our station, I guess, have ETR'd us to see if they're, you know, like, oh, they're on their way there, you know, like, cause of course we are, you know, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I feel like after everything is said and done, I feel like I'd love for you folks to come here and vice versa. Like yeah. I, I would love to do like a ride along in Pittsburgh. I wish we could just, you know, it's just who knows what's going on right now with all this mm-hmm. stuff. Things are so, just things are so crazy right now. I mean, around here it wasn't like like it was where you guys were, but like listening to that podcast that you guys had with everybody when everybody was on it. I think Adam was supposed to be on it too, or something. Maybe he came late. I can't remember. But that was a great pod podcast because you guys were talking a lot about about these. Um, like symptoms that you're seeing, like just right from the door, knowing that basically just based on call information, where it is in that call information. And then when you hit that door or whatever, and you know from you know down the hall or whatever, just based on whatever symptoms or these things that you're seeing like day to day. It was good to hear you guys talk about that because I could definitely integrate that into what I was seeing and thinking like as I was going into, you know, going into room. So yeah i mean i'm glad that you took something from that i and it's funny because i think we were all learning and we've all been learning as we went along because things have changed 
you know, even the way that patients were being treated then, like it's not the way that people are uh, being treated currently. And there's other symptoms and stuff. So, you know, we're still kind of like learning. Completely changed from yeah. what it was before. So now everybody has like strokes and pulmonary embolisms, you know? Yeah. So. All right. So I don't want to talk about COVID, but we'll wrap <laughs> up. Uh, so we got an hour. So let's refill our water and uh, we'll come back with Rich Friedel from Pittsburgh. All right.